Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and unfortunately, my favorite co-host, Anna Camerales, is not with me this week. She's busy putting the finishing touches on a special project we've had in the works for a long time now. Stay tuned to our website, MissouriBusinessAlert.com, and our daily newsletter to make sure you don't miss out. Instead of our regular format, this week will be an abridged podcast, featuring two interviews with entrepreneurs. First, Elliot Bowman, a multimedia reporter from Missouri Business Alert, interviews the founder of Lost in the Sauce, a student-run specialty sauce retailer located in the MU Student Center. After that, an interview that I am especially excited about, I recently got the chance to sit down with Amy Martin, an audio journalist and entrepreneur who founded the podcast Threshold. It was really great getting to chat with a fellow podcaster. I'll definitely be using some of her tips for future episodes of Speaking Startup, but even if you don't want to start your own podcast, there's still a lot you can learn from our conversation. Now, Elliot Bowman takes you behind the scenes of Lost in the Sauce. Lost in the Sauce is a specialty sauce retailer founded by students, for students, and located in the MU Student Center. I spoke with the founder of the brand, Jack Schroeder, about how he plans to add some spice to students' lives. Jack, why don't you introduce yourself, talk a little about your company, just a little intro. All right, my name is Jack Schroeder. I'm a senior mechanical engineering student here at Mizzou. Um, so yeah, this is, this is my, our business, Lost in the Sauce. We're trying to bring you know, small independently produced sauces with great flavor and great spice to Mizzou's campus to allow students to spice up their meals on a budget. Absolutely. One of the things about college life is bland ramen, bland pizza. Jack's pizza is $2, but you know, it doesn't taste great, but maybe with a little extra hot yeah, sauce, exactly. I think. Is that sort of like your concept behind it, your idea behind it? Yes, exactly. So that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to allow students to just make their meals more enjoyable. I've experienced the ramen every night, the eggs every morning for weeks straight, so I completely understand that. Um, and sauce is a relatively inexpensive way without yeah. having to buy you know, steak or lobster to kind of spice up your meals and enjoy eating more. Yeah, when I got to college, Cholula was my favorite hot sauce, and I swore I was never going to, like, deviate from that. But after it being pretty much the only flavor I tasted for about a couple months, I don't know if I want Cholula anymore. So <laughs> it's good to have variety, and I'm yeah. glad you guys are here to sort of provide that. Can you talk about your company's backstory? I know it was part of a student competition, mm -hmm. correct? Can you sort of talk about that competition, talk about how this idea came about? Yeah, so the, the competition was kind of the start of the actual um, creation of the business, but the idea started a while before that. So not this past summer, but the summer before, I went to Ireland on an engineering study abroad with uh, my roommate, Robert. And while we were there, we visited this small coastal town called Port McGee. And we went to this little like pub slash restaurant thing. And while we were there, they had this mustard that but never tasted before. And I put it on my food, and it was like, why have I never tried this? I've, you know, I've, I've been alive for 20 years at that point, and I've never had this mustard. And then we started thinking, like, oh, it'd be cool if there was a shop that could provide all those different sauces of different flavors that people have never tried before all in the same place. And then, of course, being on a college campus and being a college kid, I thought Lost in the Sauce would be a cool name for it. Um, yeah, and then, that's, and then we got an email for this competition, and so we thought, you know, what if we just went for it? What if we just wrote up a business plan and just kind of gave it a try? And then we ended up winning. So 
here we are. <laughs> what type of stuff did you have to include in that business plan? What type of expectations did this project have to that you had to like sort of research or think about hard? So one of the main things they wanted to focus on, like you could have a great idea and stuff like that, but they wanted to make sure that you demonstrated that your idea was going to benefit Mizzou's campus. So that's what we really wanted to try to focus on, and that's where the, you know, eating on a budget and spicing your meals up on a budget comes in. Also, we, we're trying to have kind of an international slant, so bring in a lot of like authentic, independently produced, uh, international, internationally inspired or in a, sauces with international origin to the store so that students can kind of, well, well one, appeal to all the international students we have at, on Mizzou's campus, and then at the same time, kind of expose students to other cultures through food. Can you talk a little bit about where you get your sauces, sort of how you develop these relationships with these distributors? Mm -hmm. So we, we originally were looking at kind of regionally sourced sauces. So barbecue sauces from Memphis, uh, Chicago, St. Louis, kind of the main areas where we thought Mizzou students came from. Then one night I was looking on Facebook and I found a Facebook group called For the Love of Hot Sauce. I applied to join and the first post I put out was probably at like 9 or 10 at night. It was I was going to go to bed pretty soon. And I was just typing up a quick message that said, hey, I'm trying to open this store. If you have any recommendations for sauces or if you are a sauce producer yourself and want to work with us, let me know. Woke up in the morning and had like 60 comments from people all saying, yeah, yeah, here's the one, here's the one. I'm a producer. Like, I want to work with you. So that's when our like inventory list just exploded. So we went from like four sauces to you know, 60 overnight, 60 producers overnight that were willing to work with us. What would you say is the best part about being a student entrepreneur? I guess getting to share it with people. You know, like I said, we we have people come in all the time, and so you're meeting new people constantly who are like, who are interested in your idea and are supportive of you, and so you get to share your ideas with a bunch of other people rather than just kind of thinking, oh, that might be cool if somebody did that. You get to be doing that and then have people support it. What would you say is the most challenging part about being a student entrepreneur? Um, well, the, the balance, I guess, is one thing, you know, like at the beginning of the semester, I didn't really even pay attention to classes. And I know we're only in the like third or fourth week now, but uh, it still was like, I didn't even think about some of the stuff that I was actually here at Mizzou to do. <laughs> um, so the balance is one thing. And then just the other thing of like, living up to the expectations, I guess, that you put on yourself and that people have for you, it's, it's stressful. It's like trying to make sure that this all happens in a certain amount of time because when you're opening a small business, like you're, you and your team, they're the only people that are going to do it. You know, nobody's coming in and saying, like the, the student unions people aren't going to come in and put together a business for us. Our parents are not going to come in and put together a business for us. That's all on us. And so... Yeah, you have to take care of it. <laughs> but do you think that makes it even more re rewarding when you finally do open up and you finally do, you know, have a product to sell? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. That when you do something completely on your own, I mean, there's, yeah, and, and then it's successful. There's no better reward, really, and no better feeling than that. I always love hearing stories about student entrepreneurs. It takes a lot of commitment and creativity to start your own business while still in college, and Jack Schroeder definitely has plenty of both. Now, it's time for my interview with Amy Martin. 
Amy is an audio journalist and entrepreneur based in Montana. She is the founder and executive producer of Threshold, a podcast and public radio show that uses stories to examine complicated environmental issues. Amy has produced stories for NPR's All Things Considered, Here and Now, and The Takeaway. Amy recently visited the University of Missouri for the Smith-Patterson Science Journalism Fellowship and Lecture Series. I got the chance to sit down with Amy and ask her about what it's like to make a living as a podcaster. First question, how did you get started in podcasting? Because I know that you're a musician beforehand, so how did you move into the podcasting field? Well, I actually, before I did music, I did radio. I actually did radio first, and then I okay. kind of had dipped into music and came back to, to podcasting and radio. I mean, I got into radio in college because I just loved, I love yeah. learning through sound, which is interesting to me. It's how I've like taken the news. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just felt like I wanted to tell longer form stories, yeah. and I felt like it was... Um, a great way to do the kind of documentary documentary journalism that I wanted to do and, and kind of with the podcasting yeah. revolution of, you know, like five years ago or so when it really kind of started booming, I just saw an opportunity to, to combine my love of long form with this medium. So. Yeah. so what was the catalyst for your move from music to podcasting? It was just, it was just like, um, um, I... It wasn't an opportunity. I just made the opportunity. Yeah. It was just that I I had done it before, and I was just sort of at a point that I just felt the the call to return to it. You know, I just yeah. really wanted to do. Um, I really wanted to do. I, I had been pitching some some radio, some short form radio stories, and just wanted to do something longer form. So, was Threshold the first thing that you did? No, I actually started a show called Learning Their Place, which yeah. was sort of like an experiment. Um, and it was my goal at that point was to try to create a space where um, youth had more of an opportunity to be making their own journalism. Um, and I got going on it, and then I realized that it was something that I wanted to... It wasn't the main thing I wanted to do. It, was like, it feels yeah. like something I'd still like to do, but that it was... I'd almost like kind of started like with the spin-off, like that might be the thing I want to spin off and do like in 10 years. And yeah. what I really want to do is create more of, of just dive into long form environmental journalism. So was it difficult to make enough money to survive off of podcasting? And how does that work? Um, it works by making money doing other things and yeah. subsidizing it. Um, and I applied for some grants and got some grants, but um, it's just like a ton of hustle. It was a combination of things. You know, I, I, was, I sort of was getting into it while I was sort of tapering off yeah. from doing music. So there was some doing both at the same time. There was, um, you know, like I said, I applied for some grants. And then once those came in, I was able to devote more time to it. Um, I had some like super lame side jobs yeah. sometimes, you know. Um, um, just like a combination of, of a lot of different, like piecing it together. So now that you've been doing it for a bit, what do you think it's like trying to make money in the podcasting industry? Um, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to make a living at it, but, it, but I don't think it's necessarily any harder than any other forms of journalism if that you're going to do independently. Um, so I guess I've found it challenging, but, but good. <laughs> How has it changed over these past few years? Um, I'm not much of a procrastin uh, pro prognosticator. I yeah. don't exactly know. Um, I don't really know where it's heading, but I, yeah. I do think that um, 
there's a lot of great content being made out there. There's a lot of not great content being yeah. made, and it's a little bit of work right now to sort the wheat from the chaff, you know. Yeah. But um, I'm, I think it's great. I think that having more minds and more people involved just makes everything better. So I hope, you know, if you're thinking about making a podcast out there, go ahead and, and do it. But, yeah. but I think also think about other people, think about ways that yours can add something to the conversation that's not being said, you yeah. know. Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs who want to start their own podcast? Um, I would say make a lot of drafts really quickly let people listen to them and learn from what they say don't expect that you're gonna like privately work on this like polishing this little gem all in private and then like present it to the world it won't be very good I don't think I think you really need other people's ears to understand how things are landing and how they're not and you have to understand that how things come across in auditorially is different than visually or in print you know what I mean so um, give yourself give yourself the room to experiment you know you can just record stuff on your phone and share it with people and be like did this is this interesting to you like what's working what's not one thing i will say is people tend to get really obsessed about the quality like the the tone of their voice or whatever i don't think you need to worry about that much if you're if you're just talking like a normal human being and, and people expect everyone to have their own sort of different voice imprint and so if you think your voice is weird or whatever like don't let that stop you it's probably not and even if it is that's probably actually going to be interesting for the listener so I would say don't fixate on that. People people say that all the time. I wish I could do this, but I don't have a good enough voice. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're talking to me. You can do this. Yeah. So, Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, it was so great getting to talk to Amy. And be sure to check out Threshold on Apple Podcasts. Season 2 will be taking listeners on an epic adventure through the Arctic. So you don't want to miss out on that. And to end this week's episode, I have an entrepreneurship tip from Doug Barris, president of Growth Acceleration Services. Building a quality team is the most important step to accelerating a startup. But hiring the right talent is often where founders make their biggest and most expensive mistakes. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced and edited by me, Megan Liz Smith. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. The episode was recorded in the KBIA studios. We'll speak to you next week.